This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm a workplace and career coach, and my new book is Find Your Happy at Work. Today, we're talking about something that can catch people by surprise, and that's the emotional impact of a job search. Even if you're choosing to make a shift, looking for work can be disheartening. Well, let's face it, the experience can feel miserable. Our guests today can help. Kathy Wasserman and Lauren Weinstein are career and leadership coaches, and together they've written a helpful book, The Empowered Job Search. The subtitle is Build a New Mindset and Get a Great Job in an Unpredictable World. The book is all about how to emotionally prepare for your job hunt and set yourself up for success. And Kathy and Lauren will tell us what that means. Kathy and Lauren, it is so great to have you here. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having us. I'm going to plunge right into some questions here. Um, and what I'm going to do is before we get into the topic, I'm going to ask each of you to tell me a little bit about yourselves and what your job is and how you got there. On Jazzed About Work, we're always really interested in people's career stories. So, so um, Kathy, uh, can we start with you? Can, can you tell us about what you're doing when you're not writing books and how your path led you this way? I would love to. So I am a leadership coach. I do career coaching and executive coaching um, for a wide range of individuals and across sectors. I also work with organizations to grow their culture and their leadership and management structures. And I incredibly have been doing this work for about 30 years. I started as a community organizer in the feminist movement. I made my way to being a youth leadership um, program uh, developer and leader. I worked for a foundation for many years. I have a background as a therapist. I was trained clinically. And for the last 20 or so years, I've been doing a combination of consulting um, in the nonprofit and corporate sectors to help people come alive in their work and share what they're meant to and to work individually and on a group and organizational level toward that end. Wow, you are a pioneer. I started coaching almost 20 years ago, and I feel like I was a pioneer myself, but you really have deep background and you have the kind of skill set that's got to be so helpful these days when there's so much stress and everything about workplace. So we'll um, hear more about all of that. But first, um, Lauren, let me ask, what is your... Um, day job when you're not being an author? And how did you get there? Sure thing. Um, I currently focus on leadership development and learning at a company called Degreed, which is a learning and, and upskilling platform. And I think I got here because I didn't know what I wanted to do in the, in the early days. I was a competitive swimmer and I was always underwater. 
And when I kind of looked up <laughs> and was getting ready to graduate, I said, what do I want to do? And I fell into the world of management consulting, which gave me a great, great exposure to the business world. Um, and I started drifting and orienting myself towards the, the do-gooders and ended up working in corporate social responsibility and in um, social impact and it worked with a lot of NGOs, nonprofits, and foundations. And that really got me into just the world of mission-driven work and also opened me up to um, becoming a coach about 10 years ago. I found myself coaching a lot of the, the employees I was working with um, when I worked at Accenture Consulting. And from there, I just got really into the world of leadership development, learning, organizational development. And, and through that, I ended up working on my own as an independent consultant and coach for a family foundation, working with a range of grantees on their talent and talent strategies um, and helping match people um, to jobs in the Jewish nonprofit sector. And my most recent stint degree is really focused on my passion around leadership, learning, technology. Um, and so it's really fun to be able to uh, do the work that I do in my day job and also in my my spare time, you know, writing this book with Kathy. Lauren, I have a question about coaching. The kind of coaching that happens in athletics is very different than the kind of coaching that we do, of course. But I'm wondering, was that experience in athletics, did you have a great coach? Is that part of what interested you in being a coach later on? We know what's funny is my dad had a coach, a career coach, and I remember being a teenager and my dad would come upstairs from his study. Um, he's a physician and he would say, I just talked to my career coach. And I thought, what? You have a coach? <laughs> and it just was so different. It was early days, I think, of coaching. And so I just thought that was so neat. Um, plus, I think being an athlete, um, you know, I really was always focused on kind of incorporating feedback and making myself better and improving. So I think this sense of how do you help support people, you know, build their own resilience and, and develop their well-being and help them feel really in their body and their mind contributed to my interest in coaching. Kathy, it sounds like you and Lauren have um, complementary but not identical skills. How, how did you meet each other and how did you start uh, working together, collaborating in some way? Absolutely. So we were connected by a mutual friend and colleague who is the same person who actually started me on my path specifically as a career coach, one of the founders of idealist.org, who 20 years ago asked me to write a career coaching column. Um, and I hadn't been doing that. And I said, oh, I don't do that. And he said, you do now. Um, and so I started to get coaching clients. And fast forward 15 years later, he connected Lauren and I. Lauren was working for a foundation and was looking to partner with someone around developing a career leadership program. And we got connected and the magic started to happen. <laughs> we built we built a program. We felt, um, I think, a lot of just synergy around our creative spark 
to support people um, who you know may not know the next steps to take or how to grow themselves um, as staff, as leaders, as managers. And after we put the program together, we thought, oh my goodness, we have all this great material. We need to do something with it. And so we thought about a lot of different sort of modalities to share the work. And we ultimately landed on writing the book together. We spent over four years, right, Lauren? Um, yeah. <laughs> writing, writing the book and kind of taking all that material we had originally developed for the leadership program and then bringing it up to date after COVID happened. Well, Lauren, let me ask you, this is a very um, timely book and it, it, it touches upon the craziness that's been happening in the workplace and in the uh, job search arena. How did you start rethinking if you did how did you start rethinking what you wanted to write about during covid were you really um did you really notice some trends i know that uh, it sounds like your day job might have had you thinking in new ways yeah well i actually went through two job searches while writing the book and what happened is i was furloughed during covid and it it, it re-energized my interest in in the book. And I think for Kathy, we realized that we needed to rewrite the book. And we actually spent last summer, you know, during COVID rewriting the book and, and orienting it towards a new dynamic because it seemed almost, uh, it seemed like it wouldn't make sense to publish what we were trying to publish, even though the ideas and what uh, the, the, the themes that were part of the book are the same, we wanted to orient it towards um, what's happening for people in this time of COVID. And, and I think that's reflected in the book, this, especially around the power dynamic and who has more of a control in the job search. So I think it really inspired us to rethink our book. Well, the job search situation is um, in some ways easier these days because of online opportunities and things, but it's also terrifying in some ways because everything is changing uh, so quickly. The um, word that you used in the book um, that I think is makes a lot of sense to me is disempowering. So Kathy, what do, what do you mean by disempowering and how do you describe um, how that's happening in the uh, job search arena these days? Well, I think that it's evolving, as Lauren, you know, sort of said with COVID, but I think traditionally we think of the job search as a job seeker kind of having to fit themselves into particular boxes that the work world provides, you know, going into an interview, selling yourself, convincing others of your value. And I think even before COVID, both Lauren and I were seeing like, okay, that headset to look for a job is very disempowering and kind of alienates people not only from themselves and what they have to offer, but from potential employers. So we had already been thinking about deeply the idea of power for people who are seeking work and power dynamics in the workplace. And then I think when COVID happened and things just sort of started to be turned upside down, we thought, oh, <laughs> this is even more of an opportunity 
to equalize to some degree some of the power dynamics and really look at the reality that for both job seekers and employers, what you're trying to figure out is, do you really fit? Can you do great things together? Can you create together and innovate and contribute you know, to the world in meaningful ways? And I think now more employers are with the great resignation and also just with all of the upheaval that COVID has brought, considering the possibility that, you know, they sort of can't do the same old. And so there's more opportunity for job seekers to really share the truth of who they are, you know, connect with their authentic power, and then ponder who and where are the best folks and organizations and companies to collaborate with. So it's a very wonderful moment in some ways. Of course, it's also still a hard time to say the least in our world, but there's more possibility that I'm seeing around job search and workplace dynamics in general than I've seen in my entire career. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll jump in and, and add that, um, you know, I think with with technology and applicant tracking systems, We've gotten a lot smarter, but also sometimes that you can, as a job seeker, you can feel like you're making progress, you know, by submitting an application, but a lot of the automatic, automated responses might feel impersonal or you might not hear back. And I think that can make somebody start to question, like, is it me? <laughs> is it the process? Um, and I think that can also feel so disempowering. It is... Um situation where, as you say, there's so many opportunities, but things keep going wrong. Artificial intelligence may knock you out of a job search that you're perfect for because of how you worded something. So it can be exhausting. So what your book suggests is that there are a lot of possibilities, but you have to emotionally prepare. What does that mean? How does somebody... um, start emotionally preparing. Kathy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is really in some ways the center of the book. And it is the center of the book because both Lauren and I found this to be so key for helping people to be empowered in the job search. And so emotional preparation on the most basic level is just being aware and open to considering that our emotions drive us whether we're conscious of them or not. And so better to be aware of what's brewing underneath the surface than have them sort of working on us um, without our awareness. So just tuning into what someone might be feeling, often it's fear or frustration. A lot of times job seekers are coming off a job or in the middle of a job that is really difficult and what that means for someone's mindset. And so the awareness and openness that emotions are so fundamental to who we are as humans and can be incredible indicators of what our roadmap can be because inside every emotion is a need that we have. And so if we can understand our emotions, we can get at what our needs are, what our beliefs are, and really take charge of what we truly want, 
what we don't want, and then get lots of ideas of how we can plan to reach our goals and meet our wants and needs. So they're an incredibly powerful source of information and really direction for a job seeker. So part of it is um, awareness about emotions and, and being aware that we have them and that they can shape what we're doing. But in your book, you also go further and you talk about how you, how you can create a shift, how you can manage them, how you can um, break through with the process when you feel like you're kind of overwhelmed by them. Lauren, what kind of process are you talking about? Your emotional breakthrough process? What is that? Yeah. And I think Kathy started to describe that process of connecting to your feelings, naming and accepting your feelings, Mm -hmm. identifying your underlying needs and beliefs, and then taking action on it and integrating that. Um, it's easier said than done. <laughs> and I would say that's, that even- well, that's what I was wondering. It's, you know, those are yeah. things that you need to do, but if you're talking with a client today and they need to do that, do you have uh, specific suggestions about how you can get started? How, how does action begin? Yeah, well, I would just say that I gained a lot of emotional fluency in writing this book in partnership with Kathy, um, even around identifying my needs as I navigated different job searches. And so I, I think a lot of it is around, you know, first like not knowing that this is a thing and this is how we're wired and, and what to do with that information, whether we want distance from an emotion, whether we want to embrace it and sit with it, how to how to know what our reaction is. And I, and I think it's practice. We, in the book, talk about some of the morning and evening practices you can do. And I think grounding yourself um, in the morning or doing a practice, we talk about feelings and needs. What is a feeling I have? What needs do I have that are met or unmet today? Um, I think we often minimize what needs we need to be met which actually help us generate more positive emotions. So we give we give practices around both getting into embracing more of the positive emotions and also how do you handle some of these emotional hijacks when there is such a strong negative emotion which might appear as anxiety or fear or disappointment as Kathy mentioned. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School. things that I always notice in myself, and I certainly um, try to be alert to with clients, is that sometimes the first awareness you have that your emotions are taking over and uh, maybe you're even a little out of control is in your body. Maybe you notice that your shoulders are sore or your stomach hurts or um, 
different people have different kind of system, systems and reactions. Can um, one of you want to talk about the physicality of emotions and how being conscious of that can help you manage yourself back into a different place? Absolutely. I mean, I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Our emotions are in our body, all over our body. And so, you know, we kind of walk around as a little bit of talking heads these days with our technology. And I think it's more important than ever. And we talk about in the book, particularly in the morning, like literally getting in touch with your body, whether it's stretching or taking a walk or even just sitting up straight in a chair and being aware of your feet on the floor. And so when you do those practices, literally using inquiry, like what am I feeling? Where do I feel the tension? What do I feel? And as much as possible, trying not to judge the feeling. So we talk in the book about something called the second arrow, which is a Buddhist principle. And it's the notion that sometimes like if we're feeling like, oh, I'm frustrated. I haven't heard back about this job. We then can sometimes judge ourselves. Well, I shouldn't be frustrated. It's only been a couple days. But the reality that is how we feel. And so a very powerful emotional practice is to acknowledge that we feel that way to kind of honor it, but not then feed it and sort of over-focus on it. And working with the body to say, you know, I release this feeling. I'm noticing my shoulders are getting less tight can be really useful to keep the emotions moving. Because the biggest thing with folks I've worked with over the years is getting stuck and kind of weighed down in the emotional knots rather than letting them move through, paying them attention, noticing what needs they indicate, but not sort of fanning the flame so that we get, um, you know, sort of sidetracked as it were. A concept you write about that I think is so important is mindset. And um, the fact that mindset isn't something that captures us, it's something that we can manage. And Mindset is terrifically important in shaping what and how we're going to go through the day. Lauren, would you talk a little bit about uh, the kind of mindset that's helpful in a job search? Sure. You know, Kathy and I talk through which different mindsets it's helpful for at each stage of the job search. And I think that what we start with is getting into a present mindset to understand what's really happening for you, whether it's your internal experience or Um, what's happening outside of you as well. And throughout the book, we talk through being in a practical mindset or a growth mindset or an imaginative mindset. And I think what we want to do is put the, 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 the power into the job seeker's hand to say, you know what, I have control over how I'm feeling and my reactions. And what are some ways to get into this, into this mindset, let's say curiosity or, or, or an imaginative mindset that helps us be so much more open to new ideas and new possibilities. And so we just, we associate each of those different mindsets with different stages of the job search. And I will say uh, one of my favorites is getting into a disciplined mindset. Um, certainly as a swimmer, I had that experience of discipline and structure. And I think that's when you're actually applying for your job, um, really detailing out some of the ways that will work for you based on um, you know, your, your own style um, and approach. One thing that I 
find is so important and useful uh, is when you're dealing with something that's new and perplexing, perhaps, or you've just had a real disappointment, you didn't get the job, and that's to be able to shift into a growth mindset. You mentioned that, but it's not always easy unless you kind of practice. How would um, somebody practice building and shifting to a growth mindset? You know, I think one of the keys to that is being open to tapping into curiosity, um, even in those hard moments. And sometimes it's, gee, I wonder why I feel crummy about my job search. You know, (laughs) it's not always things that are sparkling. Um, And so I think that that understanding that curiosity is really what powers a growth mindset and an and a kind of knowing that we're always growing and that the job search is this amazing possibility for transformation as much as it can feel really challenging sometimes. So just being available to consider that even in those hard moments, it's possible to grow. You know, part of what motivated us around creating the breakthrough process was this idea of when you're in those toughest moments, how do you even (laughs) grow then? And so even working with your emotions and your needs and your beliefs when you're feeling like it may be the last thing you want to do, but sort of, as Lauren said, using your discipline mindset to get into the growth mindset and trust that there will be nuggets that will emerge if you keep sort of facing yourself with you know, gentleness, but discipline and availability for the possibility of goodness to come. I find it can be helpful for me to kind of talk myself into growth mindset by reminding myself that I've been in this hole before and I know how to climb out. Or it's it's partly discipline, but it's partly also cheerleading yourself because You've had lots of experiences and you know you have abilities and you know that you've been through things before. That kind of reminder that you have what it takes can can help. I know it helps me. Do you see that that is uh, something that people uh, can use? Definitely. Um, we, we actually talk about this idea of uh, inspiration um, advisory board. <laughs> and we, we talk about um, your inspiration advisory board as, uh, you know, people, ideas, places of things to help you get inspired. And also, in some ways, as you said, to cheerlead yourself. So when you're feeling like, okay, how do I get out of this shift, having even a physical inspiration advisory board to, to come back to, to realize all the things that you find beautiful or meaningful or helpful for you, that can get you ready to come back to your search or come back to the thing that you have to do in the job search. Absolutely. And I think also reminding yourself of a concept we call your unique value, kind of your unique personal and professional fingerprint, which is, you know, in those hard moments saying like, oh, I have all these inner resources. I have seen myself get through other job searches or other challenging things and really taking the time. And sometimes it's 10 seconds in the morning just to really focus your attention 
on some of those memories of how you have transformed, how you have gotten through those tough moments or even tough years. Mentioning years is significant because sometimes a job search can take years, at least getting to where you want to be. Certainly job searches often seem to last forever and are much longer than the searcher anticipated. Would one of you comment on how long job searches are these days? Yeah, I would say that on average, I think before the pandemic, um, we would say about six to 12 months. And I think on the fast side of things, maybe three months. But obviously, it's so different for everybody. It's, it's so dependent on where you are in your career journey, maybe the sector and the demand for the work. Um, but I often tell people that um, you know it would take up to six months to a year just to help them get oriented towards um, the, the time and effort involved. And it sometimes feels like it always takes like for the other person or a friend or a family member, they seem to get a job so quickly. But for you, especially if you're suffering or having a difficult time, um, you know, applying or, or getting clear on what you really want to do, it sometimes feels like eternity. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it, Lauren. I think that very often uh, it's a job search is, is like an iceberg. And when you're watching your friends who are so good at it, that it, you, you're just looking at the tip, but they've been working at it for a long time, maybe suffering. Yeah. And, and I would say now, nowadays, I mean, I'm hearing stories that I'm curious, Kathy, what you think too, based on your clients, but people are getting multiple offers within a month to three months, which, you know, depending on the sector, but I'm seeing a definite accelerated time frame right now in terms of getting a job. But still for some people, you know, it's going to take longer depending on their orientation. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely seeing that. And it's certainly sector and position dependent. But I, again, in 30 years, I've never seen job searches go this quickly. It's like a whole new world for me. It's kind of fun to adjust to it. One thing that's been really interesting that I've seen with people getting you know multiple job offers and quickly is that we can't really speed up the process of getting to know oneself. So a lot of what we talk about in the book is that like whatever the outside world is doing, it's going to take you the time it's going to take you to like discern what do you really want to do and you know what kind of career path and career arc are you seeking. So a lot of people are coming to me now who have like gotten a job way quicker than they thought and they're now like wow, is this the right job or yeah. how do I, you know, hit the ground running in this job because I was just starting to figure out like who I am professionally and what I want. So it's a really interesting moment to know that even though things have sped up in many ways, the processes that we talk about in the book are still available to you, whether you get a job quickly or it takes longer. We really kind of want to make the the point and hold out the light towards, you know, the similarity between the skills and the processes of getting a job are so similar to what you need to do well when you're in a job and be a great staff person, leader, or manager, all about knowing yourself, being open to others, really, you know, knowing what you want to share and where you want to share it. One of the things I've been hearing recently is that it it's not a short-term thing, this job search. A job search is really a lifestyle. 
and nothing is permanent and we're always going to be thinking about what we need to do next and we're always going to be laying groundwork for the next transition. And in job search, we all know that one of the critical things that we're always doing is networking. I like the way your book frames networking as a not a quick thing we have to uh, do it on LinkedIn in order to get the job we want next month, but it's really uh, community building. How does community building work on a continuing basis? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, networking can often feel transactional, and I think that just um, is a little icky for a lot of people. And I think for us, we think about community building as this mutual process of exchange and discovery. And it's the ability to bring yourself to the conversation, your full needs um, and wants, and, and also be able to create space for hearing that other person's um, needs and, and interests. And I think um, we also talk a bit about you know, uh, the informational interview, and we, we really reposition that as connected conversations because informational interviews can feel so one-sided. So what we're really looking for is a mutuality built on connection, built on authenticity. So it doesn't feel icky. Actually, it feels inspired and generative. And um, I think if more people can look at it as community building, they also will be more open to um, what, what ideas can emerge as a result. That's good advice. We think about that too, as when you're in a job, you know, of course you want to be strategic and thoughtful when you're relationship building on the job, but ultimately that's your community, you know? And so this whole idea of a virtuous cycle, which is a term we use in the book of really just seeing that you have a lot of things you have to offer and your unique value and your colleagues do. And you know, over time, thoughtfully and heartfully building relationships where you discover where you overlap and what you can build together. That makes sense. So we are just about out of time, but I always um, am wondering, do we have among the listeners here somebody who really needs help today? They uh, perhaps are just starting to cope with a job search and they're feeling scared. I wonder if each of you, and maybe we'll start with Lauren, will, will each of you just give advice to somebody who's kind of overwhelmed, they're just starting with a job search, what's something that they can do today to, to get started, to be in the right mindset and, and start moving in the right direction? Lauren? Yeah. And I would say in some ways it might be unrelated to the job search in that find something that you really enjoy doing or that makes you happy or that brings you joy um, and do more of it. <laughs> and I think as you start to to move towards a place where you're doing more of the things that you like to do and feel like some excitement and possibility, that will start to open you up to, okay, I feel like myself. And, um, and then that creates more space for you to start to explore what are my interests and what are my curiosities um, so I sometimes say, uh, go down the rabbit hole, <laughs> not in a negative way, but follow some of those interests and curiosities. Um, and sometimes in doing that, you get some great ideas about who you are and what you like to do. And that can lead itself to potential job opportunities and, and community connections. And it also can put you in a very positive mindset. Uh, yes. Kathy, what do you think? 
Well, I, first of all, I love that. So I second that motion. I think if someone, for example, is feeling kind of lousy, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know where to begin. I'm overwhelmed. I feel not so great about how things have gone in my job. Certainly Lauren's suggestions are really powerful. And I would say also seeing if you can get in touch with your emotions and honor how you really feel. Like if you need to take a week, you know, watching some Netflix, like do it and maybe keep a list, you know, by your computer, your TV of what particular things in your most recent job gave you the most energy, what gave you the least, like kind of inventorying what brings you alive and what drains you as you're attending to your emotional state so you can build back up into a growth mindset, a disciplined mindset. Really, you know, as Lauren said, starting with getting present what's really happening for you as you think about jumping off the cliff of the job search and making it feel less like a cliff and more like you know a, a kind of world full of possibilities the other thing I would just add is getting support from friends or contacts or mentors early in the process can be really, really energizing because it sometimes can feel like a lot to hold oneself. And so really reaching out to whether it's your inspirational advisory board or your sister or your partner and just sort of spending some quality time getting nourished and nurtured so that you can dive in in a way that feels doable and not too overwhelming. And of course, something else is your book, The Empowered Job Search, Build a New Mindset and Get a Great Job in an Unpredictable World. That's a good beginning point if somebody is thinking about their search. Is there a website or any other place they should look to get information from you, Kathy and Lauren? Yeah, theempoweredjobsearch.com has more information and a link to our book on Amazon. I know Kathy and I are both on LinkedIn and active. And Kathy, you have a website as well, kathywasserman.com. So you can find more about us there. Well, I will look forward to connecting with you both on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank you for all the great advice. Thanks so much, Bev. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Today, we've been talking with Kathy Wasserman and Lauren Weinstein about how to change your mindset and emotionally prepare for your job search. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that any job hunt can feel demoralizing, but you can get back on track by shifting your mindset and focusing on your action plan. Thanks for listening, and please, Tell your friends about Jazzed About Work.